Greetings out there in podcast land. You're listening to the OK Pop Radio Hour with your hosts, Meg Webb and Blake Ewing. Well, hello there. You are listening to the OK Pop Radio Hour. My name is Meg Webb. I am one of your hosts here with my buddy and pal, Blake Ewing. Blake, say hello. Hello. Meg, I think I need to hear a little more enthusiasm out of you. How? I don't know. You seem... Uh, Apathetic? You seem like medium energy, and this is a high-energy day. Well, this is basically what we're doing right now is like hot yoga in this room yeah. where we uh, tape the OK Pop Pop radio hour. and uh, It's rough right now, people. It's 100 degrees in here. So we don't want to have the air conditioner on. So sorry if I don't sound so... Extremely peppy. Peppy? peppy? Yeah, if yeah, you will. We don't turn the air conditioner on for you, listeners. <laughs> it's really for you. We don't, we're we sweating don't, it out. We don't want that background noise. Consequently, it's like a sauna that we're recording in. Um, yeah, it's nice. It's a good way to jumpstart a diet. <laughs> jumpstart a diet smells like a, a, a junior high locker room Ugh. in here. Yeah, because of Meg. <laughs> um so uh, yeah, I, uh, we've already sh- we are literally forty seconds into this and have shared too much information. Yep, we're gonna have to wrap this up. That's bud. what we do. We don't have a lot to say to you during our Megan Blake banter time today. No, because we have this very special movie year matchup. That's right. We are, we have invited two of our coworkers, David and Karen, who happen to be married, into the uh, OK Pop Radio Hour to duke it out toe to toe, toe to toe. With their movie choices and... Um, 84 versus 87. This is a good one, guys. We're going to get right to that. But Meg does have an official statement that she would <laughs> like to make. Before we do that, apparently okay. her previous comments... Uh-huh. In, Sparked um, some controversy. The last podcast were not well received by certain members of the Grand Lake community. Or the uh, the uh, um, the <laughs> or weather crew Southeast from- Oklahoma meteorologists. The meteorologists of Southeast Oklahoma and Shreveport, Louisiana. God, you really did go. You went. You went in hard. I did, guys. Look, um, Grand Lake is lovely. I apologize if my comments offended any of the uh, Grand Lakers. Yeah. Out there in your fifty-foot yachts. Oh man! See, so here you go again. Here I've you seen go them. Again. I've seen them on the lake. I, I have no problems with the Don't yachts. Don't you judge with people the for the size of their yachts? Small yachts, uh, big yachts. I love all the yachts. If you, I, I guarantee you this, if our lieutenant governor yes. finds out yes. the things you've said about <laughs> Grand Lake. Look, I grew up on Grand Lake. And by grew up, I mean I went there probably 10 times. But <laughs> it. But a lot of growing up while you were there. So, hey, Danny Boy O'Connor today posted photos of pistol pats still pats the little like disney oklahoma roadside food cute little food drive through place and and it, and i thought about this about my making fun of um uh, of grand lake and i have very fond memories of going to pistol pats as a child i've never been i told jeff today our boss that we need to take a road trip i want to go i'm in I want to do this. Um, Why didn't Danny invite us is the real question. Well, you know what? We've had this conversation with Danny here recently about how like we would like to be invited on these trips. Mm-hmm. You're right. This is kind of, you know. I literally just told Danny within the last few days that the next time he goes on one of his little famous road trips, I want to go. He and went to Langley, I believe. What or? do you know? I didn't get the invite. 
Yeah. I told him I wanted to go, too, so it's not just you. We both got snubbed. We didn't get our Pistol Pats visit. Did he take Mary Beth Babcock you with him? You know he did. He always does. <sighs> I mean, why can't we just, why can't we hang out? I want to be in their click. I want to be in their click. I want to I want to be in that SUV riding around all over Oklahoma seeing cool stuff. Nope. We're stuck here in this hot box. <sighs> Maybe we need to take our own road trips, Blake. Road trip. A COVID-free road trip to <laughs> Grand Lake. What's the new slogan that Lieutenant Governor Pinnell has rolled out about traveling in Oklahoma? Do you remember what it is? Imagine that. No, it's, he's got another one. Oh, I haven't heard it. What? I haven't heard it. Oh, I'm looking this up. Hold on. Get to it. Hold on. Stick with me, fans. Or not fans. I always call them fans, but that's so presumptuous. It is so presumptuous. I don't like that you say that. It makes it sound like we're, we just assume. Like we're stars. Like we're stars. It's called OK, Here We Go. Hashtag OK, Here We Go. Isn't that a band? Oh, huh? no, it's OK, Go. Yeah. Well, I want to see our lieutenant governor do the video that OK, Go did on a treadmill all over the state. OK, Here We Go, Matt Pinnell. OK, Here We Go, Matt Pinnell. And he just has a treadmill in the middle of Route 66 in different places all along the... Oh, this is going to be so good. Like a, a, a choreographed routine on a treadmill on in different places on Route 66. Mm-hmm. Can we make this happen? I'm, I'll call him. Okay. All right. Um, one more thing, Meg. I got to say one more thing before we uh, launch into the OK Pop Radio Hour movie, your matchup with David and Karen. I'm listening. And that is that these have been... Uh, I guess I just want to acknowledge that we are well aware while we're here having a good time talking about silly pop culture things and favorite movies and all that, Mm -hmm. that we are in an interesting time in the history of our country. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on outside of these walls as people are standing up for um, for their communities and are fighting for justice. And, um, you know, we talked just today about OK Pop and the things that we do and we don't want to. Uh, pretend to be too self-important or whatever. But I know that those of us on our team, especially kind of um, Meg and I and, and Jeff Moore, our executive director, we were talking about this earlier, that if that all this stuff we're doing with OK Pop, if it's just to build a museum and show off some artifacts, that there's really no point in that. But that we believe uh, that there's a much bigger calling to what we're doing and, and that pop culture is a representation of who we are as a people and it's the way that creative people throughout history have expressed themselves and that those uh, creative expressions have impacted culture and society and um, we believe that now this interesting time that we're in is a great opportunity for uh, the creative expression of our state uh, to be something that heals that heals community and that heals divide and uh, we just want to say thank you to the creatives out there that are making a difference and that are standing up for what's right right now. And uh, we want to say to our neighbors who have been marginalized that we got your back. And uh, we're really proud of the work that you're doing. I, yeah. could, I couldn't have said that better, Blake. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Well, it's my pleasure, Meg. Uh, and, and really, we got the easy job. There's people out there in the streets right now, uh, not just in Oklahoma, but across the across the country holding up signs and demanding to be heard um and and we couldn't agree more with the cause and um just to say that we hope that this time next year in 2021 we are looking back on the crazy horror story that is 2020 2020. uh that we are all a better people and a better community for it um and and we get to see firsthand front row seat every day how our state's creatives and how and really how 
creatives across the world um, are, are dealing with these really interesting times. Uh, and so thank you to all of you who are listening. And uh, our encouragement to you is just to be decent to one another. And, uh, and that's really it. That's all, all we got to say before we get back to being silly. So uh, without further ado, we're bringing David and Karen into the mix. And we're going to do a movie year matchup, 1984 versus 1987. Here we go. It's time for an OK Pop movie year matchup. Let's get ready to rumble. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are with yet another of our uh, world-famous movie year matchups. Yes, this is an exciting one. This is, uh, it's, it's exciting because it's not us. It is exciting because it's not us. We have invited <laughs> two of our favorite co-workers uh, into the OK Pop Radio Hour conversation to discuss their movies of choice. This should be good. And this is a really fun kind of category that they've put them in. Yeah. So uh, w- without further ado, we'll make introductions. We've got David Davis, who is the OK Pop Director of Operations. And we've got Karen Whitecotton. Did I say that right, David? You did. Okay, David's got such an impressive title. I want to make sure I don't mess it up. Uh, Karen Whitecotton, who also happens to be David's wife, is the Director of Collections. Yes, and thank you for saying that we're your favorites. Yeah, I, I said some of our favorites, Karen. We, yeah. we don't want to single anyone out specifically. Uh, but David and Karen are... <laughs> David and Karen will be uh, teeing off today on the OK Pop Radio Hour movie year matchup with uh, the category, the topic that they have chosen is they're kind of uh, the movies that made them. They're coming-of-age movies from um, two of the more important years in their in their childhood. I love it. Did I say that right, David? Did I get you right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, there were so many movies, so many years in the 80s that were really meaningful to us, and so it was kind of hard to narrow it down, but, but I think we came up with a good look. So the years that, they've, that, that you guys have chosen are 1984, and that's for David, and 1987, right. and that's your year, Karen. Yes. Right? So if you're keeping score at home, this is 1984 versus 1987, and this should be this should be pretty good. Let's da- kick let's kick it off. These are some of the best movie years of all time. They really are. Meg and I were restricted to our birth year and our graduation year, so we just had to, we were at the mercy of those years. Dave and Karen got to choose their years. So these yes, should, and these argu- should, arguably, some, yeah, you're right. Some of the best years in history of film. It's a little arguably, messed up. I think that's the best. A little messed up that you guys got to choose them, but we're going to just roll with it. Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, first round. Meg, you want to you wanna tee these up? Do you have your list ready? Let's get to it, Blake. <laughs> round one. Comedy. All right, we'll let Karen go first. Ladies first. Karen, what's your comedy choice from 1987? Baseball. Ugh, Ooh, so good. Spaceballs. Okay, okay. Uh, David, what do you got? Okay, that's a really good choice, but I got one better. Gremlin. Spaceballs versus Gremlin. Meg, what do you think? Uh, I won't lie. Gremlins, uh, first of all, both movies kind of freaked me out a little bit as a kid, but Gremlins, like, I couldn't sleep with my closet door closed or open. I mean, there was a whole thing for a long time. So I'm going to go Spaceballs. So you have Gremlins as a comedy, David. Yeah, so so that's interesting that um, 
um, some of the lists that I have seen online going through the 1984 films listed Gremlins as a comedy. Okay. Um, you, you know, I personally think of it as a Christmas movie. <laughs> it is one of the best yeah one of the best christmas movies i've like heard lots of people right 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 i've heard lots of people talk about it like as a christmas movie i don't know i think i was just young enough that it was like too terrifying for yeah me. it's like a horror movie for a lot of a lot of kids it is really right, I, don't, I don't even gremlins in there they wear the they're watching snow white and they sing and yeah, it is really funny the whole movie theater scene is just baseball mel brooks I mean, how do you beat that? I mean, Spaceballs is one of the defining comedies of my childhood, I feel like. I love Mel Brooks. But I would say that if you pick one movie that was more pervasive as far as pop culture reach, it's got to be Gremlins. That's a fact. I will agree with that. But I think Spaceballs might be funnier. So I I don't know who to pick on this one. Uh, Karen's like, yes. I don't. I don't. I mean, we're gonna let the we're gonna let the listening audience decide. So uh, listeners, you get to decide who wins this movie or matchup. Meg and I are just providing our own commentary. (laughs) Category category number two, drama. Who goes first? David, you go. David, you go first on this one. Okay. Okay. Mine is the Karate Kid. Karate Kid's a drama. Okay. Okay. Very nice choice. Karen, what do you got? The Untouchables. Mm, The Untouchables. Meg, what do you think? (sighs) Just for pure 80s nostalgia, I did love the Karate Kid when I was little. Yeah, Karate Kid's the winner. Sorry, Karen. No, I get it. The Untouchables is great. It's fine, but you can't beat Ralph Macchio. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Any movie with Ralph Macchio, always a winner. I remember uh, attempting the crane Crane formation (laughs) on the playground. Yeah, I mean, I was ready to wreck some fools with that formation, with that karate move. I'll give that. Okay, sweep the leg. Uh, David, you are the winner of round two. I think we all agree. Uh, next category, Maggie, you want to tee it up? Sure. Horror. This. Uh, okay, oh. go horror. We're, we're skipping to horror. We're skipping to horror. Meg chooses horror. Okay. <laughs> How about we do thriller and we do horror later? Okay, thriller. Thriller, thriller it is. Thriller. <laughs> okay, Karen, you go first. What do you got? Predator. She said, "Beat that." <laughs> uh, what do you got, David? How do you beat? How do you compete with Predator? Okay, it's hard to compete with Predator, um, but I have Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh my gosh! One of Predator. the worst Indiana Jones films. Still pretty good. It is, but it's so campy. Against- what kind of summertime thriller? Mm, that's more action. I think it's like an adventure. Predator's absolutely the winner here. You have to admit that. Too. Yeah, th- this is easily. Easily, Karen is the winner with Predator. Okay, we are on to the action category. The, the category is action. Who went first last time? Okay. I did. Okay, David, you go. You go first. Action. Okay, for my action, I have Conan the Destroyer. Oh, Conan. Okay, Karen. Just watch that. Um, I chose Lethal Weapon. Oh. Ooh. Karen is crushing you, David. You know, <laughs> if I the first Conan movie, I probably would have given him this because that's such a better movie. But the second Conan movie? Yeah, sorry, David. That's 
It's not the original. Not even with uh, Greg. I mean, no. <laughs> who who knew that Conan was Austrian? Also, Conan like a Gaelic name? Uh, I don't know where he's from, but okay. according to that movie, he's from Austria. <laughs> uh, okay, we are in. Um, by the way, I, I'm a little bit surprised. I got to say, we're we're nearing the halfway point, and. 1984 is such a strong year. I did not expect what I'm seeing so far from 1987. So, yeah. Uh, well, what I can say some... is I think a lot of the stronger choices are to come here. Okay. Okay. Does, does David have a comeback in him? We will find out. Uh, next next category is sci-fi. Sci-fi. Karen's first. Hey, I went like Robocop. Which has oh, strong. Robert Strong, and it's got an Oklahoma connection. Yeah, Robert Doki is awesome. Oh, that's bonus points for Robert Doki. What do you got, David? Okay, no, that that's a fantastic choice, but I got to be. I have the Terminator. Oh yeah. Oh okay. That's such a good movie. Yeah. 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 I feel like this one goes to David, but I don't think it's a full knockout. It's just a. Uh... Just a punch. <laughs> just a punch. <laughs> Yeah, body blow. Is that the one sound effect we couldn't find? <laughs> the, yeah, we never got the body blow sound effect. <laughs> I just have a little Mac doing like punching glass Joe with like a... Burp. Okay. All right. Nicely done. Those are two really nice choices. Uh, but this choice, this is where uh, a little bit of skill starts coming into play on, on your selections. This is the cult classic category. And we define a cult classic as a movie that maybe wasn't huge when it came out, but that has gained a following and, uh, you know, is still beloved many years later. And This who, one goes to David David's, first, David's right? David's first, yeah. Okay. David's first. Okay, so so my choice is, is interesting because, yeah, it, it was not super popular at the time. Um, it does have a following, but it has a very recent resurgence with um, Stranger Things on Netflix. Oh. And, and so, so therefore, I have to kind of sing the title to everybody. So my choice is the never-ending story. Oh. <laughs> Definitely a cult classic. First of all, David, I didn't know you were hiding that those vocals I know. all this time. Jeez, David. That was impressive. Can you sing more of that theme song? <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, Karen. Everything okay. Story is a huge movie from the 80s for a lot of people. So I went with The Lost Boys. Lost Boys. And that's mm. got an Oklahoma connection as well, correct? Deep Look Four. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our, our makeup boy, yeah. Our uh, Oklahoma makeup artist. I think it probably Did, still gets on David, honestly. That's a good, that's a big movie. Yeah, so I think for so many people, The Neverending Story was the movie that you watched during... Um, when recess was rained out, right? <laughs> yes. Was it that for anyone else? Inside days. Yeah, inside days. I think we talked about this the other day, not on the air, but we were talking about the last unicorn at the staff meeting. Oh, yeah, how weird that one was. Those movies, I guess that's the only VHS tapes they had at my school because it was the last unicorn and never ending story. And what trippy like, movies to watch during really recess dark. day. Yeah. Weird, so right? Say, you know, watching the never ending story, there was always the one part where he loses his Oh my God, it was so dramatic. And yeah, in the start, oh. it, 
Yes, it it did disturb me. It really did. It disturbed a whole generation of children. (laughs) We've all been disturbed by it. You know what's funny? So if you go back and watch Neverending Story now, it's garbage. But all of my all of my memories of it were that it, that it was absolutely just it the ruled. greatest movie of my childhood. But man, does it not hold up very well with the the really bad animatronics. And, I mean, it's, it's, I, I, don't, I think those are the reasons why you still love it. Yeah, but if you compare it to something know. like Gremlins at the time, I mean, you know, as far as production value for the puppeteering and all that, well, of course, Gremlins just wins hands down. It had a of bigger course. budget, you know. I don't always love it when they do modern day remakes of a movie, but I gotta admit, if they redid Neverending Story, I'd go see it. The sequels, oh, were totally, crap, for sure. Yeah, the sequels were crap. Uh, wouldn't you love to see a Neverending Story? Was the first Story one remake? the one with Jonathan Brandis? No, that was the second one. That was the second one. Oh, how did, that's some solid trivia pulling, that pulling name out, out Jonathan right Brandis. Jonathan Brandis. <laughs> and of course, Karen knows that it, Jonathan Brandis. That. Karen knows. <laughs> Karen knows what's up. Brandis was a heartbreaker back in the day. Okay, we're going to give, uh, at least in, informally, we're going to give the cult classic category to the never-ending story, I think. Right there? Are we, right, are we in so. agreement? I think we're in agreement. Uh, okay. The next category is Critics' Choice, and this, this is a category for typically award winners, movies that the critics loved, even if the general public didn't, but for the most part, these are these are your Oscar winner type movies that stuck out as being significant contributions to motion picture history. And I believe Karen is up first this time. Critics' choice. Okay, so I went with The Last Emperor. Oh, Ooh. oh The Last Emperor. I remember that. That's a good one. All right, David, what do you, what do you got? Okay, so um, I went with the, the straight-up um, uh, Academy Award Best Film winner for that year. And I almost want to sing this one, too. Except that Please do. One that I think of doesn't actually have anything to do with it, which really just shook me because this was, uh, you know, this yeah, it yeah. was a movie that, that I, you know, I kind of watched, but not really as a kid. And but I love the song. So my choice is Amadeus. But of course, I'm thinking, uh, of, oh. I'm thinking of the song that came out one year later. You're thinking of the Rock Me Amadeus? Rock Me Amadeus. <laughs> Please. Today, and I'm like, no, the movie is about Beethoven. I mean, it, it's about Mozart. <laughs> it's about and, Mozart. No, 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 no. It's about, and, I, and so we had this whole conversation about it. I'm like, oh, I'm Mozart. <laughs> it's a great that's movie. A, um, are you going to sing for us, David? I'm a dad. I'm a dad. That's what we day. were hoping for. Uh, I have no, I have no preference on these two. I Meg, do you have a preference? Better. I think it's. I'm going to call the. Amadeus probably the better movie. I like for me. I I love the movie Amadeus. I still love the movie Amadeus. Um, I might say this. This one might be a tie though. Let's call it a tie. I like Let's call that. it a tie. Let's call it a tie. I like that. Okay. Let the people break that. Well, tie. the people will decide. Uh, a few more categories left. We are now in the horror category. Meg teased this one up earlier, but we're gonna go ahead and do it now. That's because Blake whispered it to me, and I thought that's what he said. I said thriller. He said thriller. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we're in the horror category, and um, I believe David's turn to go first. Okay, so I've got a great one, and it has a a really strong Oklahoma tie. My horror pick for 1984 is A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, oh my gosh, Ooh. that's Heather, Heather Loggenkamp. All right, that an Oklahoma 
an Oklahoma star. I went with Evil Dead 2. Okay, I have I used Evil Dead as one of mine once. Yeah, Evil Dead the original. Yeah. And you Blake said he beat me, but he did not. No, I did. <laughs> Karen, however, did not even stand a chance with Evil Dead 2 against mm-hmm. one of the most iconic horror movies of all time. Starring an Oklahoma star, Heather Langenkamp. Yep. Uh, David, you might be right. I think you're staging a little bit of a comeback. You've probably evened things up as we uh, hit the home stretch here. <laughs> and we still have several more to go. Still a few more categories <laughs> to go. All right. Animation musical. This is a combined category. You can choose an animation film or a musical. We've lumped them together. And I believe it's Karen's turn to go first. Karen, what do you got? Okay, so I went with animation, and I chose The Chipmunk Adventure. Okay. You have got to love the chipmunks. I love them, but I don't Amazing feel movie. good about Karen's chances here. What do you got, David? Okay, can, can I sing another one? Because I picked a musical. <laughs> There's a theme going on here. Everybody I'll be so upset if you... <laughs> Okay, we've got the Chipmunk Adventure versus Kevin Bacon and Footloose. I feel like Footloose is, as much as I love Footloose, this is a very loose interpretation of a musical. I don't know. I think Footloose is a musical, right? It's got Kenny Loggins. But he's not in the movie singing. David, justify Footloose being a musical for us. Okay, well, so I have a justification for Kevin Bacon, but not for the musical part. Because, <laughs> so as a, as a 10 year old kid in 1984, I was not into Footloose. However, <laughs> later on, in, I think it was 1990, Kevin Bacon, one of my in one of my favorite all time sci fi movies, Tremors. So uh, I just, Tremors. when I saw that, I saw Kevin Bacon, I'm like, yeah, Footloose. And plus, you know, it's culturally pervasive, once again. It sounds like a Chipmunk Adventure wins so. This is weird for me right now because I I don't believe that Footloose belongs in this category at all. <laughs> now that I think about it, and uh, but Chipmunk Adventure is just, you know, I mean I liked the Chipmunks as a kid, but I no, I, it's an eight-year-old. I thought it was amazing. It's nowhere. It's not even the most significant animated movie of. 1987? 1987, I mean, is I it? I didn't get significant to anybody but me. Wait, David, in, in 1984, wasn't that the Transformers movie where Optimus Prime it said was. the S word? No, 87 was. Sorry, that was 87 it? was Transformers. That was the Transformers movie? I, I, think it's okay. eight, I think it's 86, oh. actually. Okay, okay, because... Uh, there's really any animated choices for 1984. It's just a bad year for animation, I guess. Well, what do you do? What do you do? I could have seen... Care Bears Adventure in Wonderland, which was also a wonderful little. How did you not show. pick that? Well, and that has an Oklahoma connection. Should I have uh, picked that over at my Adventure? I probably would have picked uh, Have you guys heard, side note, the Dave Chappelle bit about the Care Bears? Yes. No. I know Meg has. Uh, I would say YouTube that. In the privacy of your own home. This is just a teaser for our listening audience. A I'm not too, gonna, too blue for. Uh, not going to tell you anything else hour, about but... it, but man, you should listen to it. It is funny. Um, okay, I don't even know how to pick on this category. We're just going to move right along, out of the uh, animation and musical into your personal favorite. This is your personal favorite, regardless of genre. 1984 versus 1987. 
and we'll let David go first. Okay, so my personal favorite for 1984, um, not the biggest blockbuster by any means, however, um, given my addiction to sci-fi and what was really um, formative for me as a 10-year-old, I'm going to pick The Last Starfighter. Ooh, that's a solid choice. Okay, Karen? Okay, so this is the only category that I repeated, and maybe because I just couldn't help it. Um, I went with Predator because that is one of my absolute favorite movies. You can't repeat a movie. I did. I did. That's just not fair. I'm sorry. Then I couldn't find a thriller. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, Predator. So, Karen. Let her have it. I guess. Let her have, have it. Have it. I guess Your she, favorite. Uh, I'm giving this to David, though. <sighs> The Last Starfighter is iconic. Four inches. I yeah. mean, think about the fact that The Last Starfighter was one of the first movies that had a lot of CGI in it. And you're going to go with that over Predator? Even though, I mean, it was pretty tough to watch it now. Um, you're really going to choose that over Predator? No. Really? I really love no. it. Yeah, you already used yeah. Predator. So... <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen The Lost Starfighter, so I'm what? gonna I'm gonna side with Karen. Sorry. How have you not seen The Last Starfighter? I just haven't. I don't oh know what to say about it. But gosh, I'm gonna be in solidarity with my girl. Okay, fine, David. I got your back, bro. Uh, okay, uh, romance. And and I what I love about this is we've got a married couple battling over the best <laughs> romance choice. What's it gonna be? Well, you know what's funny about that is we don't watch those kind of movies. We watch action, sci-fi. <laughs> so this is kind of a hard one uh, for me. Although this is a classic 80s movie that is very good and it's not super romantic. I picked The Princess Bride. Oh, Aww. yeah. You're going to win. <laughs> David, what do you got, buddy? Okay, so, so mine is really an 80s nostalgia movie and... You know, so so as a ten year old kid, I have you know all my memories. Like I said, were sci fi mostly and action and thriller. But I have really great memories of romancing the stuff. Oh, that is oh. It's a really nice choice. Yeah. It's a really nice it's, choice. It is a very yeah. nice you know, choice. That could go into action or thriller. I think just as easily. Yeah, but I like those It's, it's a good that. romance. That is a really good movie. It's a good movie. Uh, it's it's peak Michael Douglas, I would say. And and peak, Kath- definitely peak Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. Uh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, is it weird that every time I hear the name Kathleen Turner, I remember the name of Jack Black's band from High Fidelity, Kathleen Turner Overdrive? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. Which I think is so great. Uh, okay, uh, I love Romancing the Stone. In fact, I just watched it with my boys during the Corona. But nothing can beat the Princess Bride. I'm sorry. Um, probably the greatest romance movie of all time. It's really good. Um, okay, we are uh, on our last and final round. Blockbuster. Okay, so it's going to be hard to beat this one. My 1984 blockbuster is Ghostbusters. Oh my, oh my gosh! Oh my gosh, Karen. Yeah, I Karen is. She's I, on the I ropes right now. Can't beat it. And I'm going to swing that too, and I didn't. Oh my god, Probably. yeah, I can't beat that. Um, so my, the strange. one that I chose was uh, the, the fourth highest grossing film that year. And just to put it in perspective, the first high, or the highest grossing film that year 
was three men and a baby, and I could not oh. pick that. I could not bring myself to pick that because the only reason that got that many votes is because everyone was going to see if there was a ghost in the window. That's right. <laughs> and there was, there was a ghost in the window. We all saw. That it. was a great movie. Also, I don't. I think you're underselling that movie. Okay, so the fourth highest was Good Morning Vietnam, and that's what I chose. Oh, but, yeah. it's a great it's little a- movie. But it doesn't stand a chance against Ghostbusters. No, no I don't think anything did. Yeah. So okay. 1984. What a year. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So Meg and I have done this a couple of times, and we know that the hardest part is making some choices about which movies you choose for these categories and which ones don't make the cut. So do you? Did, were there any notable, other than Three Men and a Baby, notable exclusions <laughs> that you guys would like to call out? No, there were some fun movies that year. I, I remember, you know, growing up uh, watching like Benji the Hunted. You know, oh, so that was awesome. like super traumatic. Like, no, Benji. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, but also, if you guys remember Monster Squad, do you yep. remember that? Yeah, of course. Monster that, Squad. that was a really great little, you know, campy horror movie for kids. Yes, it um, was. Overboard came out that year. That was a fun movie. Um, Can't Buy Me Love. I don't, I'm oh, not really into rock. How did Can't Buy Me Love not make your cut? Yeah, because I'm not really into those. Oh, my gosh. I the you the can't see me all. right now, but I'm doing the dance, the Patrick Dempsey, <laughs> Seth Green dance. Um, and then the last one that didn't make it, and just because it's a horrible movie, but I have great memories of it, is Jaws 4. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's what yeah, It's one of the top movie. five Jaws movies. Uh, okay david what what was on your uh cutting room floor okay so so we keep saying that 1984 is such a great year i put 11 on the bench 11 players oh Oh. i'm just gonna go through them really fast and just make everyone's jaws drop beverly hills cop oh revenge of the nerds red dawn 16 candles firestarter this is Final Tap, Children of the Corn, Starman, Star Trek Search for Spock, and Missing in Action start starring our Okie homeboy, Chuck Norris. Chuck <laughs> David could have almost competed on his backups. That, maybe so. Yeah. That's a solid year, man. Okay, uh, listeners, you, you've heard it here. You've had David and Karen lay out their choices for 1984 versus 1987. When the podcast uh, is published, Meg will post these lists to our OK Pop Facebook sure page. We just ask you to weigh in. Let us know who you think is the winner, 1984 or 1987. David, Karen, you guys were awesome. Thank you so much for joining and for taking the time to put these this lists together. This was so fun. Thank you. It was yeah. a lot of fun. We have a lot to say about babies. Right. Yeah. Thanks for we letting us have more bad we will do it again. I hope we didn't cause too much conflict in your household. Uh, I, I don't want to hear about David having to sleep on the couch tonight. <laughs> uh, you guys. Uh, well, we will definitely have you guys back. I don't know who. I mean, 84 was strong, Karen. I don't know if I can see it just yet. Uh, okay. We'll see you guys later on. I guess we'll see you tomorrow at work. We'll be there. Yeah, great. Looking forward to it. All right. <laughs> Y'all have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Podcast fans, stop the clock. It's time for an OK Pop.
60-second life story. Lee Riggs, born on a farm near Claremore, Oklahoma, was an American author, poet, playwright, and screenwriter. His play, Green Grow the Lilacs, was adapted into the landmark musical Oklahoma. After graduating high school in 1917, Lynn worked in various cities and took all kinds of jobs. In New York, he clerked at Macy's, read proof for the Wall Street Journal, and picked up work as a movie extra. He also reported for the Oil and Gas Journal back in Oklahoma while writing poetry on the side. After struggling in college, he left the University of Oklahoma without graduating. He settled in New Mexico among an artist colony where he found his sexual identity as a gay man. In the summer of 1928, Riggs became the first Oklahoman to be granted a Guggenheim Fellowship. Riggs wrote 21 full-length dramas, numerous one-act plays, and many poems. He contributed to the screenplays of several movies and, toward the end of his life, wrote two plays for television. Green Grow the Lilacs, which eventually became the famous Rodgers and Hammerstein play Oklahoma, was an attempt to capture the Oklahoma neighbors, friends, and family he grew up with. In the mid-1930s, he lived in Hollywood, wrote screenplays, and kept regular company with big stars. In 1943, Oklahoma hit Broadway, and shortly after, MGM picked up the movie rights for the 1955 film. Riggs was inducted into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame in 1943, and in 1965, he was inducted into the Hall of Great Westerners of the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum. He died on June 30th, 1954, of stomach cancer in New York City. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Here we are with uh, yet another of our phone-in interviews with a friend of OK Pop, Sterling Harjo. He's a member of the Seminole Nation, raised in the budding metropolis known as Holdenville, Oklahoma. He attended University of Oklahoma. That's Meg's favorite university. Boomer. And uh, currently a Tulsa resident, Sterling is a writer, director, producer, founder of a comedy group, and a podcast host himself, which is what all the popular kids are doing these days, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. You're not cool unless you have a podcast. Sterling, welcome to the OK Pop Radio Hour. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It is uh, nice to be here. Thanks or for not be here, but yeah. via phone. Yeah. You're here in spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for uh, being a part of the OK Pop Radio Hour today. Of course. Sterling, uh, we, we've had two interviews today. The mayor of the city of Tulsa and Sterling Harja. I feel like it's our most star-studded day ever. Right. You know, I, uh, I rode on an airplane with him. Um, I just like, you know, like, I random, you know, you hear stories about people randomly sitting next to someone on an airplane. Um, and I randomly sat next to um, our mayor. Really? And yeah, and it was one of those things where we had an empty seat in between us. So it was, uh, you know, it was a comfortable ride. We chatted a little, um, but that was it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like not a, I don't, I don't, I don't like chewing people's ear off on the plane. Right. And I, and I like when people don't do that to me. So, you know, we spoke, talked a little bit, and then we kind of zoned out into the books that we were reading. What was he reading? I'm sure, my, I'm sure my book was a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It looked, uh, it looked, it's like a technical, it looks like politics. Oh, ugh. <laughs> ugh. Yeah. One of those mayoral books. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. What were you the reading mayoral, on the plane? The, the, may, the mayoral section. Um, I think I was reading at the time, I believe that I was reading, let's see, there was a book, oh, it was short stories. I was reading a short story collection by, oh, man, I can't remember the person's name. I was reading short stories, let's just say yeah. that, um, which, you know, I, I kind of have a number of books that I read like at once, like get bored, I guess. I think it has to do with, you know, I'm sort of a part of a generation that grew up on, you know, Mike Tyson's punch out. We kind of got in on the TV and all the channels. And I think being able to like change channels all the time, got us used to switching gears. Totally. And I feel that I have at least three or four books that I'm always reading. Oh, me too. You know, and then I, I end up finishing one. 
and then the others I don't. Yeah, my wife but, is uh, annoyed by the stack of books next to the bed, some of which have probably not even been opened yet. Totally. Oh, man, I have that. Yeah. I have lots of books that haven't been opened. But there's some that I, I'll read. You know, it's weird. Like, I've always loved biographies and especially musician biographies. That's kind of what I first piqued my interest in, in school uh, reading was like biographies. I would literally go into uh, encyclopedias and just read about historical figures that I knew nothing about. That was really interesting to me. So for some reason, I will burn through uh, a book that's like a kind of um, insider, you know, like like uh, Raging Bulls. I forget what the title of that book is. It was like, it was about like the 1970s New Hollywood, like Scorsese and oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and Coppola and all them. Like I will read through those books like in two days, you know. And then I, there was a book called um, uh, um, The Great Divide or something about the band, about um, the band, the mm-hmm. band. Yep. And man, I burned through that book quick. And I can like read those types of books multiple times. Um, but the the older I get, for some reason, nonfiction just I, I get I get really like it has to really pull me in for me to get interested in it. Um, and I hate that because I love nonfiction. I write or I write fiction. I I um, I love fiction, but it just has to be really good to pull me in. It's kind of like why am I wasting my time? Sometimes, um, so I find myself writing reading more nonfiction lately. I feel the same. I feel the same way. I can read like almost like self-help books. I don't know. That's that's not the right term, but like (laughs) they're they're nonfiction, but they're not like historical, whatever, just about like care, self-care books, just being a better human kind of stuff. And I definitely like, like psychological study kind of a book, kind of books. Meg and I were talking about this book on team chemistry that I've been taking down. I'll take, I'll take those things down. I guess it just activates a different part of the brain, but if a fiction book doesn't, I tickle all the fancies, then it gets thrown in the yeah maybe later pile. Totally. I mean, I read Malcolm Gladwell's latest book. That was yeah. good. Um, there's a really good book about the Manson murders. That the book Chaos. Have you heard of that? No, no and I'm totally it's like, into it's it. Like, it's like Chaos, uh, Manson, the CIA, and the secret history of the '60s. Oh, and, Ooh. Well, Meg oh loves that God. kind of stuff. I it do. Is, if you read Helter Skelter or like even know what it is, like the yep. writer of that book was the prosecutor and this sort of uh, debunks his whole thesis, which was, you know, he, he was filling a narrative to sort of fit his book and also the trial and everything. I mean, but like chaos is a, another uh, secret uh, CIA program, a lot like, you know, MK ultra or whatever and government program. And, um, there was a COINTELPRO, you know, and like, but this one specifically has to do with like um, psychedelics and they, you know, it's just crazy. And this guy was supposed to write an article about the Simpson murders or the Manson murders. And he ended up writing this book for the next 20 years and just getting obsessed and uncovering all of the stuff that, that sort of goes against the, the narrative that we've all been told about those murders and, and kind of where Charlie Manson came from. And how he might have been connected more to the government than we thought, and like it's just amazing. Whoa. It's a crazy ride of a book. Okay. There's another book like that that I read called Astral Weeks, that is pretty great, and it's um, it's kind of centers on uh, Van Morrison recording the album Astral Weeks, mm-hmm. 
one summer one summer in Boston in the sixties and um you know, but it also goes into the culture and and everything about Boston in this in this uh summer and year. And it's just a fascinating book. It's really good. Meg hates me. Like Meg hates Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison uh, or Van Morrison? Morrison? Van, Van Morrison or Jim Morrison? Morrison. Oh, yeah. yeah. Van Morrison. Hates Jim Morrison. She hates Jim Morrison. I don't hate Jim Morrison. I just like. I confused my Morrisons. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't well, hate either. Everyone one. loves Van Morrison. I don't hate any of the Morrisons. Yeah. I just, one puts me to sleep. Oh, I love yeah, Van it Morrison. Would be a, I would have a problem if it was Van Morrison that you didn't like, but I'm okay with Jim. <laughs> Not like Jim. <laughs> uh, good times. Uh, and yeah. they really are two very different Morrisons when you think about it. Yeah. They really are. For sure. They really are. Can't be more different than those two. <laughs> I would love, now that we've said that, to hear maybe a mashup of Van Morrison and Jim Morrison. You know it exists somewhere. Yeah. You could get Van to do some covers, maybe. Why not? Who, who was just talking to us? Greg Renoff was talking to us about Van Morrison on the podcast last, yes, he was. last week. He's like a oh, one, right? one take yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> He apparently best, he wants yeah. to record his song one time and walk out of the studio. It's like okay, really, yeah. And I'm like, he did pretty um, pretty well for one take on those songs. Well, yeah, I mean, whenever he recorded Astral Week, um, some of the musicians, a lot of jazz musicians, played on that album, and they would say like he wouldn't even say hi. Like he would just come in, get in the booth, <laughs> start strumming and singing and they would just start playing and that was it they wouldn't he wouldn't tell them you're doing good you're doing it right you're doing it wrong he just like expected them to do their thing i know uh he and leon russell had talked about doing a tour together oh before both of them died obviously um van's still alive it's van still alive yeah van's still kicking Jeez, Meg, why don't Sorry. you just put the guy in the grave? Um, I compared him to yeah, Jim Morrison man. and confused him with Jim. And you... So, no, but he yeah. but he and Leon had had talked about doing it, and I can't remember what fell through, but I'm pretty sure both of their per- personalities did not probably mesh well. Oh, yeah. They have some, I think they're, I think Van can be a pretty hot-headed. And, yeah. And he's that would have been a great uh, tour. It would have been a great tour. There's a, documentary, there's a documentary about the band that recently came out, which is sort of, mainly about Robbie Robertson, but um, uh, Van Morrison's in there for one quote, and he's just like, you know, it's like all they could pull from him was like one positive thing to say, <laughs> but he's not in there for very long. So, so you're reading, obviously. What are you, what are you well, watching? How are you, how are you filling up your time during this Corona season? I've been really lucky. I've been super busy. I had a lot of projects in development. Um, and I know a lot of people are struggling and, you know, jobs are sort of scarce or a lot of people in unemployment. So I've just been really thankful. Like I had a lot of, um, I mean, through a lot of hard work, I had a lot of projects in development and the sort of stay at home orders and the lockdown actually kind of fed into all that work that needed to get done. So I've been really writing a lot. Um, I'm lucky to be a writer and that I, you know, one side of me likes being in production and, and, uh, making films and obviously that all got disrupted. Um, I would probably be gearing up to go direct an episode of a, of a TV show right now that, um, I can't say what it is because it hasn't come out yet, but I was going to be directing a, a TV show next month. 
So I would have been gearing up for that. And there was actually another uh, TV show episode I was going to maybe direct in Vancouver. I'd probably be there right now. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that um, got disrupted, but luckily I had a lot of writing to do and, and um, various projects to do, to do that on. So it's been, it's been really, um, you know, it's been tricky because the, the kids are home and I'm home and um, trying to find the time and all that, but it's been good to be able to, to be able to still work. So you've got a couple projects you can talk about yeah. that, that you were working on. Um, yeah, totally. t- give us an update on those. Yeah. So I just, um, finished the documentary, uh, shot it a little over a year last year. And, um, I, I followed, uh, you know, the whole idea behind the documentary was to follow, uh, contemporary native artists and, you know, there's this sort of, I think there's this idea of what a native artist is, you know, it conjures up some imagery that I don't think really represents native art mm-hmm. that I know. And I just, over the years of being a filmmaker and traveling, I've, I've a collected art, but I've also just been a fan of native art and some of the really interesting things that are happening in that world. Um, and I wanted to do a documentary to highlight what I see and what I've, what I've uh, what I've witnessed and kind of uh, been privy to, and so, um, I, the, you know, there, there's there's two kind of ways, there's two sort of like categories of native art, and I think most of the popular native art that we know was geared towards selling it to white people. So there's a lot of things that that art has, you know, tropes and, mm-hmm. and stereotypical stuff that I just feel like it's for a market and for people to buy. Were there any artists then, from, from Oklahoma that you, that fe- you featured yeah. in this film? Yeah. And then there's other art that I kind of am drawn to, which isn't really about the money. It's about expressing yourself and kind of who you are as a native person. That's the art that I highlight in this film. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's poets, there's musicians, there's um, painters, there's uh, dancers, there's jazz singer, there's, um, it's really kind of runs the gamut of like, what art is. And, and I love that they're all sort of unapologetic in their identity being native artists. And some of them, like, you might look at their art and say, oh, that's a native artist. Or you might look at their art and just say, wow, that's an interesting piece of art. Um, and I just wanted to highlight the diversity and and and, and what I find interesting in, in native art right now. I think it's kind of a uh, renaissance. I think there's a lot of really amazing artists. So, you know, yeah, there's some Oklahoma artists. Um, Yadika Fields, you know Yadika. Um, he's a great painter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I follow uh, 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 Penny Hill from she's a she plays in Broncho and she also has her own band Labyrinth. Yes. Um, you know, follow her, did some stuff with her and Norman. Um, there's a few others. I mean, it's kind of like whoever I, uh, I, I really kind of treated it as an organic sort of process of, of finding these artists. Um, you know, like Nathan Young, who puts on uh, noise shows down at the Cameron studio. Mm-hmm. I would um, just sort of organically like hear a show or hear something going on or meet an artist when I was on the road filming and I'd break off and I'd go film with them. Um, and, and I wanted to make this 
speaking of Leon Russell, I wanted to make this um, like a Les Blank film. Yeah. I think that the way, the way that Les Blank made films, and a lot of documentary filmmakers back then made them because we didn't have these established rules yet on what a documentary is. You look at a lot of documentaries now, and you're going to see the sit-down interview. You're going to see right. slow motion B, B. You're going to see slow motion B-roll cut over it. It's like a formula. Back then they just follow, yeah, exactly. Back then they just followed people, and you know I've done both ways, but I really wanted to sort of put those boundaries on myself for this film, where it gives I think the audience an intimate look at what life is like, just being this artist navigating their career, being on the road with them. You know, I followed a musician uh, from. Uh, Texas, the Chickasaw guy named Micah P. Henson, and I followed him all over Europe, and uh, not all over Europe, but through Europe as he was performing and sold out venues uh, in Paris and London and Brussels. Um, so it just really, I think it, it gives it an interesting tone and, and it helps the audience feel like they're there. So it feels very immediate, the style, I think. So uh, it's sort of my love letter for Native artists and um yeah, I was really excited to go premiere it in Toronto, but um, you know, COVID struck, and uh, it's 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 going to be shown online there, and it's gonna you know it's gonna be shown at uh, sort of U.S. Uh, premieres at Dead Center Film Festival, and then hopefully it'll be streaming after that. Um, yeah, and then the other project is a project I created with Taika Waititi. He and I have he he was just announced by the way yesterday. He's directing a Star Wars movie. Really yeah. excited. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so he uh, and I have been friends um, for a long time. We got our start together at Sundance, um, uh, and we just really kind of hit it off and became became close friends and traveled. We've traveled all over the world together, festivals, showing films. And, um, you know, you need those people, I think. I would leave Oklahoma, and I'd go to festivals, and I would show films, and um you know, and at first I, I wasn't making a lot of money. It was a weird time for independent film. So you need people to like, kind of like inspire you and to kind of help you remember why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so I had a crew of people like that and Tyke is one of them. And um, he and I would always just end up seeing each other every year somewhere on the road and hanging out. And, um, and you know, we never worked together though. Like we never kind of crossed that line. And I think it was just time to do that. And, uh, you know, we had so many, a lot of our ideas and scripts are very similar. Uh, like I would be making a film and he'd be like, damn it, I had a script like that. Or he'd make a film. Like I remember one time telling a friend, I was like, yeah, I got this script about this, um, you know, kid in the eighties, native kid in the eighties that wore Michael Jackson zipper coat <laughs> and like had, had his hair permed because yeah. he was a big fan. And, you know, I got with me when I was young. <laughs> Right. And then Tyke, and then and then I found out what Tyke's film Boy was about, which is basically that. And um, so it just made sense for us to do something together. And you know, I've I've been a promoter of this state from day one. I've, I still live here. I've I've always wanted um, to tell stories from here, and I think that Oklahoma has a signature identity that is ours, and there's no other state like it. And I've always wanted to embrace that. For better or for worse, I mean, you know, um, you know, maybe if I would have went to LA, I would have my career would have got going faster. I don't know, but I, but but I did. It was more not about that. To me, it was about uh, balancing this career and also being here in Oklahoma. So um, I just have always promoted Oklahoma, been a fan of this place, and every film I've ever made usually takes place here. So 
um, I've always wanted to show what it was like as a native kid growing up in rural Oklahoma and how unique it is, you know, like, how, yeah. like, like there's a, there's a beauty, there's a humor, there's a, there's darkness, there's everything in rural Oklahoma. And, um, I had a good time. There's you know, tigers. Part of, there's tigers. There's tigers. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's got a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. The world's got a dose of that this year. And, um, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that I remember, there was a period, you know, gangster rap was hitting hard. There was a period where me and all my friends had starter jackets and, like, you know, hit the streets, you know. Right. Like, we acted like we were in Boys in the Hood. You know what I mean? Like, we were trying our best to act like the streets were tough <laughs> in Holdenville, Oklahoma. Right. And I just and I just love that that we like tried to find our identity through hip hop and right. and through some of that stuff and like um you know it gave us a way to rebel in our little town, you mm-hmm. know. And um but 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 juxtapose that with like, you know, going deer hunting at the same time. You know, like right. I, I love that. I love the juxtaposition of it. So um that's what Reservation Dogs is about. It's about kids in um, rural Oklahoma and kind of, you know, kind of creating their own world there, you know, and like also highlighting the real world there. But like, but kind of like make, you know, like I remember one of the main things that I did when I was young coming from a small town was like we made our lives fun. Right. Like I, I would put my life up against any big city kid uh, in terms of like, creativity and having fun in rural Oklahoma because we had to create it all. There's no question. Life is, I grew up in Foyle and Coweta and Fairfax, I guess, before that. So my life before Tulsa was all these little towns probably had a similar childhood to you. Yeah. And and I watched what my kids, you know, living on the street here and right outside of downtown Tulsa. And it's sometimes heartbreaking that, um, the, the differences in what we got to experience totally. as kids and what kids today are living. We, totally. We, I mean, like, that's kind of a constant battle with me is like, um, I would, I would easily move back to my hometown or another small town. Um, I think it just, it helped shape me in a way that, you know, it might not be the same, but like when I was young, it definitely shaped me in a way. I mean, like, um, there wasn't a lot of like, racial barriers when I was young, you know, and, and it was a very diverse town and people don't realize that like, cause, cause you know, the stereotype of like the country is like not diverse, the opposite. But I remember when I first came to Tulsa being, feeling different for the first time, like that was the first place I felt different mm. was when yeah. I came to Tulsa and the segregation here. And, um, I remember just certain, you know, like I got over it, but like certain looks that I would get, I felt like it just felt slightly different. And in my hometown, if I, I never felt that way. So, uh, you know, that took getting used to, I think at first, um, and, and people wouldn't expect that, I think from a small town, you know, but it was very diverse, still is, still is very diverse. I mean, like white kids where I grew up, like they knew native languages and like would speak it. And like, you know, um, I remember the, one of the first times I talked to John Fulbright, John Fulbright grew up about, you know, Bearden, which is like, it's about 15 minutes from where I grew up. And I, I hunt like five minute drive from where John grew up. Mm. And um, one of the first times that John and I really spoke 
uh, you know, we'd met. And stuff. The first time we really talked, he started talking Creek to me, started saying words in, Cree- in the Cree- Muscogee language to me. And I automatically got this feeling of being back home Wow! because that's what, kid, that's what I grew up with, you know, and that's what he grew up with. And he knew about superstitions and like, you know, knew, knew, knew the phrases uh, that, you know, he jokingly was talking about getting, you know, uh, getting called, man, you know, like the, the joke name that he would get called as the white boy in the Indian group, you know, he mm-hmm. was taught, he was just telling me some of these phrases and like, uh, yeah, it just kind of took me home. Uh, standing in the colony and all of a sudden it took me right back home to being back in my hometown, you know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I grew up in, in Coweta. There was a, a pretty yeah. strong native population there and, yeah. and I wrestled growing up and yeah, I don't ever remember there being, you know, I was a naive little kid. It never occurred to me that, that there was much different, um, yeah. Yeah. B- between us. But man, when you wrestle, <laughs> What, whatever yeah. any prejudice might have existed before that oh, yeah, goes yeah. away when you're wallering yeah. around on a on a mat yeah. with another kid. Yeah, yeah. And when um, someone else's sweat is dripping in yeah. your eye. <laughs> and you're getting yelled at not not to pull the uh, rat tails. That was the yeah, uh, yeah. It was oh, that's a, wrestling it was, in the eighties. Big no no in the eighties to pull a kid's rat tail on the wrestling. Oh that yeah, a, that's funny. And all, I want to bring that back. I think I want to bring the tail back. That was got to bring the tail back. I remember asking yeah, yeah. my mom if I could have one, and just yeah. there was a big no. That's not happening. Yeah, my brother wanted one real bad. And my mom was not no, for it. Not, not about it. Not gonna have it. But all of my yeah, all I, my little Indian friends had them, and we weren't allowed to yeah. touch them. <laughs> yeah, I had a. Uh, I had a, uh, I got my eyebrow pierced once and, um, I say once because like a week later I had to go to court for something. I don't remember what it was, maybe a ticket or something. And I had to take out the eyebrow uh-huh. ring <laughs> and my mom got it and threw it across our dirt road <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> and you're done. Just like it's over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to go back and get it done again. You know, it's too much work. So. That's funny. So, yeah. so th- your your show with Taika Waititi is Reservation Dogs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You were before we started recording. You talked about the, the interruption of COVID on that. Uh, yeah. You, you guys were about to start filming in yeah. Oklahoma. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, we were we locked down all the locations. Um, you know. You know when uh, what I, FX got really excited because we started. You know, I, I sort of explained to them, you know, there's not a lot known about kind of the diversity of Indian country and how the different regions are very different from other regions. Um, not a lot was known about Oklahoma because it hasn't been, you know, it's just, you know, there's not a lot at all being talked about. But in Oklahoma, it's very different. And I love that diversity. I love that um, the diversity in the, in the rural Oklahoma. And so I love that it's like, you know, there's small towns with the old downtown, the, the closed down, boarded up theaters, mm-hmm. you know, and, yep. and, and train tracks. You know, I used to like, it was like a total standby me existence when I was young. And I explained that to FX and they got really excited. And then we started sending photos because the crew was here. We started doing location scouts. I was a production designer and different folks. Um, we started sending pictures back and they got really excited because this is like, you know, we have some amazing locations. We were... Um, shooting in and around uh Omogi. Yep. And um you know, it was really exciting and Tycho was gonna be here. He was he's directing the pilot. Um and, you know, we were gonna do this thing. And 
then this happened and people, you know, started closing down production. We were one of the last productions to be still open because things weren't crazy here. But, you know, just the international flights, we have a couple crew members that were coming from like London and things like we decided the safety of all, you know, you had to shut it down. So, um, so yeah, it, it was a bummer, but it's still happening. You know, yeah, it's still happening. And it's also like, I'm okay with, I mean, I'm, uh, I learned early on, I had a project that I was doing with Alexander Payne and, um, uh, Jim Taylor, who the co-writers of, Sideways about Schmidt election. Mm-hmm. Alexander's the director. I was doing that. You know, it was like like 10, 12 years ago, I was doing this project with him. It was mainly Jim and I writing it. And then Alexander Payne was going to produce and direct. And he walked away at the very end. I got, it, it was getting picked up by Showtime. Alexander Payne left the project at the very end. And because he was going to make Nebraska or, or one of those films, it might have been the George Clooney one. Um, and just didn't think he had the time. And he also had some issues with thinking of like, um, he didn't think we could find the cast. Um, and it took place in Oklahoma and it all went away. And that was seven years of work. Like at the drop of a hat, it all went away. So I don't, I, you know, in this business, you can't have your head in the clouds. Right. And the reality is projects drop out and close down every day someone's dreams are crushed, right. you know? And it's like, if you, if you put all of your eggs in that basket, you're going to be highly disappointed. Um, so I, I just have a perspective on things after that, what happened on that last project. I know not to get too attached to any of this stuff um, because things happen. I mean, it is so dramatic how, what a difference a day makes, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and film production. So, you know, I didn't expect the pandemic to be closing right. things down for a little bit. That felt crazy. Um, but, you know, FX reached out, executive re- re- executives reached out, and they were said they're committed to this project. And, you know, we, Tyke and I have continued to write uh, the show. It's pretty exciting, and it's definitely going to be happening once this, um, once everything gets lifted. And that's, I think we're all super excited to see that. And, and, yeah. um, you know, your career has definitely, I think I met you the first time probably 10 years ago. And yeah, um, it, it's been a pleasure to watch your career advance. And, and obviously Taika Waititi is doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so sure. to, to see, uh, to see something from both of you guys together, I'm personally yeah. just super intrigued uh, and can't wait to see that. And especially with Oklahoma as the backdrop, it's always fun to see your home state on the big oh. screen. And that's something you've always done. And, and I know that um, as a state, we're, we're appreciative. Uh, anytime Absolutely. somebody yeah. decides, you know what, I'm going to stick around. I'm going to tell these stories. Um, that's, that's always been special to me. Um, because it's felt like for so many creatives in Oklahoma that making it means leaving. And, yeah. um, that just hasn't been the case with you. In fact, intentionally quite the opposite. And, uh, I love the example that sets to the, to the rest of our creative community that, uh, this is this isn't a place to leave. It's a place to create, and we've got great stories to tell. And uh, we, we appreciate you telling our stories. So, yeah, um, thank you. Love and Fury is your yep. documentary. Um, yep. That is gonna that's gonna premiere on. Yeah, you're online. gonna you'll be able to see the hot dog, yeah, hot dogs, and then dead center. You know, you can 
Uh, and Dead Center's all online this year. Yep. And so is Hot Doc, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to check if you want to check that film out, you can go to the Hot Doc website website or uh, enjoy it on the Dead Center online film festival that's coming up in June. Am I right? With that yep. date? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the the next project, the Reservation Dogs, is somewhere down the line. But we'll all keep our yep. fingers crossed for you that that uh, progresses in a timely manner and that, that you don't have to let it go, but that you get to see that yeah, thing to fruition. So. Um, We are super grateful for you joining us here today, and we look forward to catching up with you down the line. Um, Cool. Thank you both. Yeah, it's been great having you, Sterling. Thank you, Sterling. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, next up, we got a new segment here on the OK Pop Radio Hour, and um, Colby Webster, who's our superstar. What do we call Colby? What's his his title at OK Pop? Uh, It's... Mr. Awesome. I don't know. Colby. Uh, manager of awesomeness. Manager, awesomeness manager. He works with us here on the OK Pop Coordinator of cool. Ooh, I like that. Uh, so Colby's been doing our 60-second uh, life stories for several episodes now, and he's got a new thing that he's doing where he's hooking up with Oklahoma artists, with musicians, and we're going to play a little bit of their music, and he has a little bit of a conversation with them, and we want to share that with you. And this is Colby's first ever of those, so this is Colby Webster, uh, an OK Pop superstar. The clo- the what you what you call him? Collector of the cool. Clo- no, the coordinator. Of coordinator cool. of cool, and he's interviewing um, Dane Arnold and the Soup. So uh, here is that segment. Please enjoy listening to the sweet sweet sounds of Dane Arnold and the Soup and our buddy Colby Webster. And this and that and having such a good time Ooda lolly, ooda lolly, golly, what a day Never ever thinking there was danger in the water They were drinking, they just guzzled it down Never dreaming that a scheming sheriff in his posse Was watching them and gathering around Yeah, Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest is dodging trees and trying to get away Only contemplating of escaping, finally making it Ooda lolly, ooda lolly, golly, what a day Ooda lolly, ooda lolly, golly, what a day So, so tell me about this song. Um, it's kind of cool. Uh, my girlfriend knows it. She knows it really well, and she's been humming it through the house like uh, since I played it for her, telling her that we were going to uh, be doing this interview. So, uh, tell me about why people might recognize it and, uh, how you decided to do this cover. Yeah. Um, well, it's a Roger Miller song from Robin Hood called Oodle Lolly, you know, um, came out when the movie did, um, I think in like 70, you know, late, kind of late seventies or something. We decided to do it. You know, I, I was going to do it. Uh, I was going to do it alone at first and I started playing it and then I imagined I was like man you know it would really sound cool if there was some some sort of swung really swung simple percussive element and then um an upright bass so um yeah but that's kind of how that's kind of how it started man it's it's pretty it was it was pretty cool though taking it on and uh suddenly you know not only just like the 
being involved with that, but something so nostalgic as the Robin Hood song that so many people can relate to. And, um, you know, what ended up happening was, it's like, I didn't realize it, but Roger Miller is one of my grandfather's favorite, uh, favorite artists. So I thought it was really cool whenever he got, you know, he got to hear it and uh, to kind of see his reaction was really cool. So just, just neat, you know, to be able to kind of get that, get that out. And, um, hopefully people can get some enjoyment out of it. So, uh, tell people where they can, uh, hear more of what you guys do and support you. Um, well, they can go to, uh, our Instagram page that stays up to date, pretty up to date. And our Facebook page. Yeah. It's Dane and the soup. Um, just D A N E and the soup. Uh, we have our YouTube channel. People can check that out. Everything is going to be Dane and the Soup. They could go to daneandthesoup.com. We're also, this might be cool, if anybody wants to, you know, have uh, have a, a song personally recorded for them or anything like that, for any kind of purpose, if it's like for a gift or maybe they want to use it for a commercial for their business or anything, we're offering, you know, just to kind of... Um, record we can record something um for anybody so people can hit us up on instagram if they're interested and we can quote them uh, once we hear their idea but we want to share music with people and you know with with live music not happening we want to make sure that uh you know people know we're 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 happy to uh you know play for them and offer personalized experiences however i appreciate your time Hey, likewise, thanks for having me. For sure, man. Can't wait to hear you play out in real life. This is Ben Colby Webster with Dane from Dane and the Soup. All right, nice job, Colby. Oh, my gosh, that was amazing. Wow. And I love that song. I love it it so much. It takes me right back. And what a cool Oklahoma connection. Roger Miller. Roger Miller. Singing a song from my childhood, from Robin Hood. The Disney movie, Robin Hood. The Disney That was movie. one of my favorites when I was oh, little. I still love it. Little John and Robin Hood. Little John? I think it's Robin Hood. Little John. Well, maybe. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's a nice treat. We're excited to, to bring some of the work of our Oklahoma musicians to you here on the OK Pop Radio. That's the first of many. Expect more. And uh, that's going to be our show. Thank you, Sterling Harja. Thank you, Colby. Thank you, Dane Arnold and the Soup. Thank you, David and Karen. Thank you to everyone who's listening. We appreciate you. Share this with your friends. Please do. Share this with your friends. (laughs) We always got to make it weird in the end, Blake. Uh, What are you talking about? You know what I mean. When I tell them that I love them? Please don't. Hey, listeners. (sighs) A little personal message from me to you right now. (laughs) I love you so much. You know what? You don't know them. Be good to each other out there. Well, that's true. We'll take that. Actually, you know what, Blake? We could use a lot more love. We could use some love. Why are you discouraging my love for people? Um, Meg, tell them that you love them. I'm working on it. Tell them that you love them. Seeing a therapist. Say, I love you, listeners. Listeners, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I really do love you. Nice job. Take care of each other. That's our show.